Hi everyone. Welcome to A Different Story, the podcast. My name is Nazli Desi, and this podcast was created to encourage multidimensional conversation around special educational needs and disability in Egypt and beyond. Every other week, we will be speaking to working professionals, family, and community members in the MENA region with the hope that through greater awareness and education, we as a community can deconstruct the stigma and the presupposed judgments we have formed towards special needs and disability. So sit back and enjoy. In today's episode, we will be talking to Minna Mahrous about sleep and its association with autism. Minna is a board-certified behavior analyst with a master's and bachelor's degree in psychology and is also certified in administering a variety of psychological assessments. Minna started her career 15 years ago working with children with learning disabilities and with a wide range of developmental delays and autism. She has worked with children in schools and in multiple daycares to help integrate ABA in the child's natural environment. Hi Minna, thank you so much for joining me on A Different Story today. Hi Nazli, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to talk about sleep and autism with you uh, and I want to get right into it. So I want to start off with asking you what the general concern regarding sleep in children is and what the association with autism is as well. So uh, so first, before I start, I just want to say that what I'm about to share is not based on my own, like it's not my research. This is based on Dr. Greg Henley. He's a researcher in the States. And a lot of what I'm going to be sharing is based on his own research on sleep. With sleep, sleep is a very, very common uh, issue that a lot of um, kids with um, diagnosed with autism would have challenges with. So according to his research, actually, um, around 63 to 73% of children diagnosed with ASD actually have sleep problems. And it's not just with kids with autism, it's generally with kids. A lot of kids have a challenge, um, face challenges with sleep. So according to his research as well, that 35 to 50% of typically developing children will also have issues with sleep at some point in their life. But a very high percentage of the children with autism experience it even more, more like yes. children with autism. Yes, it's very, very common. And what happens when children have lack of sleep in general? So we can just talk about lack of sleep. I think not just kids mm-hmm. with autism, but we can even think about it with us, right? Yeah. So if we're not sleeping, so some of the things that could happen is, first of all, you're more irritable in general. You get sick easily. And with kids with autism, they're more likely to suffer with, suffer from like uh, injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, it also affects your social skills. So it makes kids less likely to follow instruction. They're less likely to learn academic concepts and be attentive in school. Uh, and of course, the one that's uh, very obvious is the behavior. So if you're lacking sleep, you're going to have issues with um, more behaviors. You're going to have more... Um, Uh, being quickly frustrated, more crying, more tantrums, and so on. And usually when that happens, what's the most common intervention for sleep that pediatricians would recommend? So actually with uh, sleep, around 80% of of doctors, if you go in with an issue with sleep with kids, is they would um, uh, give prescriptions they prescribe medications okay 
So they would uh, give the child medication to, 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 to start using. However, the problem with that is medications, there's no medication that's labeled for pediatric insomnia. So there, is, there isn't something you would buy that's specifically for, for um, helping kids who have inability to fall asleep or stay asleep um, or get enough sleep. So it just helps them kind of go to, to sleep, but then it's, it's not something that's sustainable. And long-term, you shouldn't be relying on sleep medication for uh, kids to go to sleep. For us, this is generally not the first thing we would recommend. So what are the things you would recommend at the beginning? So we recommend you take a behavior intervention. You have to look at why is this child not sleeping? Because there are so many, so many reasons. And if you kind of break it down into little pieces and look at each piece, you could actually find uh, the reason for that issue. And you can put in um, an intervention or change up some stuff in your environment just to uh, help the child sleep and you won't even need medication. Um, so generally we we analyze these sleep problems and we put in like alterations and changes and um, actually some of them will not have an issue mm-hmm. moving forward. And so this is something that ABA directly tackles. When a child comes to you yes. for ABA services, you tackle sleep. It's the it's part yes. of the program. Definitely, yes, yes. It's something we we tackle a lot. Okay. It's very nice because it's very well rounded, the program in general. You would think it's just behavior or just social skills, but you really tackle you you take it from a very holistic uh, approach, which is, I think, a lot, what a lot of people have as a misconception about ABA. So it's interesting that it covers so many different elements. Yes, for sure. Because what we do is we look at, it's a behavior. We look at behaviors and we, it could, it could be anything. So everything we do are behaviors. So mm-hmm. if you take every part and break it down and actually analyze it, you can figure out, okay, why is this happening? How can I change this? And let me try something else. And then that's how we see the success, right? So yeah. It's definitely applicable to a lot of things. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about the medication, uh, you wouldn't ideally recommend it at first, but is it fair to say that if nothing else is working, then sometimes medication is what you have to turn to? Yes, for sure. So I will actually get into something uh, like we'll move on if we if we will talk now about maybe what are the common sleep problems? Like why yeah. do we fall in this Um, issue in the first place because the first thing we do because if there is a medical issue we will need medication there are some some medical issues that will require medication so the first thing we do when a child comes in and we discuss the um, the sleep problem Mm -hmm. is we will ask the parents if there's any medical there could be medical causes for the for the sleep problem so a common one is sleep apnea basically um, like an inability to breathe and this causes like a sudden wake awakening through the night and uh, there are um, like symptoms for it and all that but this is something that would require um, a, do- a doctor to 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 intervene mm-hmm. so first we want to check that there is no medical causes that's the first thing and if we rule out medical causes then we start looking at the behavioral causes mm-hmm. okay so one of the first things and i think a lot of people fall into that one is when do we put the kids to sleep so uh, here's what happens in general. So I have a kid who sleeps at, doesn't want to sleep or sleeps really late or is always like, I oh, know I don't want to sleep and is, is not following the instruction to go to bed. And they sleep at like 12 every day or one. 
So what happens is sometimes the parents will come the next day and be like, that's not acceptable. We can't have them sleep every day at this time. This is very late. I'm going to put them into sleep at maybe 10 mm-hmm. or 10.30. Or so what they're doing by this, they are actually putting themselves up to fail even more because there's something, and this is, again, it's um, it's like a um, biological thing. Mm-hmm. There's something we call a forbidden zone. So there's a time in the day or there's a specific time right before you slept the day before. Mm-hmm. If you try to attempt to go to bed at that time, you will not be able to do that because biologically your body will not allow you to do that. So if I sleep at 12 every day and then I come today and decide I'm going to sleep at 10.30, I'm getting into that forbidden zone and then I will not be able to sleep. So what's going to happen is I'm going to be sitting awake all in bed. I will be refusing to sleep. There's going to be more non-compliance behavior happening. So what happens is the parents will give up and then they're like, this is not working. So the kid will go back again and sleep. At the same time. So the first thing you want to look out for is this uh, biological um, issue because you are definitely going to have um, more non-compliance if you try to get the kid to sleep at that time. Yeah, okay? can I say something about that? Actually, that's, yeah. uh, that's very, very true because even when I was studying previously in, in university and I tried to sleep early before an exam, even something like this where I decide, okay, I'm going to try and sleep at 9.30 so I wake up fresh, but my usual is to sleep at like 11.30 or 12. It's as if going to bed early was redundant because I'd stay awake for those two hours until exactly. my baby actually is used to sleeping at that time. So naturally I then fall asleep at that time. But it's true, even then you get frustrated because you're making an effort to try and sleep early but you end up just staying awake in bed for two hours and no matter what you do, you can't fall asleep. So that's exactly, um, it's definitely a thing. Yeah, for sure. And, and like we all would, would face the same problem if, if we had to, uh, try that. So trying it with a kid who's already having a hard time sleeping will make it worse because you're going to see more behaviors, more, uh, non-compliance, more, uh, they're trying to get out of it. So then it can be even more frustrating. So definitely that's the first thing. And when we actually tackle this, we do it in a very, it's a very systematic way. So I would never ask the kid, let's say the kid sleeps at 12. Then if I'm going to intervene the first night after, actually I would make them sleep later. So it's oh. a very, it's a, it's an opposite way of doing it. So I actually will, instead of 12, I'll make them sleep at one. And then I start moving back 15 minutes every day. So every day I would make them sleep 15 minutes before 15 minutes, because this is the only way to be able to get over that forbidden zone without having this non-compliance happening. Okay. Okay. And and so the body, okay. So even when you push one hour past their usual time, is it for the purpose of exhausting them past? Exactly. Yep. Because you're more likely to get, um, uh, it's like make it happen. So you're actually going to make the kid go to sleep because they're going to be tired. Mm-hmm. And they're going to already want to sleep. So you're not going to get into that fight with them of you want them to sleep. They're not sleeping and so on. So we start an hour earlier to make it easier for the parents. And then we start moving back 15 minutes every day until we reach the time we would like them to sleep. Okay. You okay. like one hour later. Okay. Yes. So that's one of the things. Of course, this is all done very systematically and it's based on a lot of things, but it's just something give you an idea on how we tackle this but this comes with other changes a lot of other changes as well okay okay so So, yeah go ahead yeah yeah no I was just going to say the next thing that we actually face and it's the most common is actually the nighttime routine non-compliance so 
asking the kid to go to sleep and they're not following that instruction. They're trying to get out of it. They don't want to go to sleep and so on. So this is something that we see a lot. And, and this is generally the most common reason of, of, um, of sleep problems. Um, so for that, what we actually recommend to parents is, first of all, they need to have like a routine for bedtime. So a routine would be a well-structured routine that's happening every night. Routine for bedtime is very, very important because this is the only way the child actually knows what's coming. Mm-hmm. It starts up with something maybe uh, in the beginning it would be, so we try to avoid TV time at the end of the routine just because we try to move from like to more, uh, we try to move the schedule to something more passive. Okay, so we would start some, we'd start it with maybe let's go brush our teeth, uh, get our pajamas on. And then it would be something like get into bed, let's read a book. So you would read a book to the child. So he's not really actively um, talking or engaging. So it's more quiet activity. And then you would start getting the room ready for bedtime. And the room also has to have certain conditions. Like we don't, we overlook some of these things sometimes, but the temperature in the room can be a factor for sleep problems. So if it gets too hot or if it gets too cold, so you need to have something that's generally it's better to be a little bit cold than hot because um, like the room needs to have like a cooler temperature mm-hmm. um, to avoid the waking up and also eating. You don't want them eating like a heavy, heavy snack at the end. So it would be like a light snack, um, nothing too like intense. Mm-hmm. And then you having something like a night light in the room, avoiding toys and TVs in the room and all that also really helps because when there's so many fun things around, I can see it and you're asking me to go to sleep, then again, kids are going to be like, no, like I want to sit and play or they're very distracted by what's there. So a lot of environmental changes can really, really, really help with nighttime routine. Um, So that's another very important thing. And the last and the most important actually um, thing that this, I can say most of the, 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 the people we've worked with with sleep was, this was the main issue. It's something we call sleep dependencies. Okay. So what's a sleep dependency? So sleep dependency, it's something that we get used to having it during and when we go to bed and until we wake up. Okay, this could be anything. It could be a person. It could be an item. Mm-hmm. It depends on the child. So it, it's, it's this. So I wake up in the middle of the night. If this sleep dependency is not with me, I will wake up. I won't be able to sleep. I'll have to get, I'll, I'll get up from my sleep and I'll be ready to, to start my day. Okay, so this is how important the sleep dependency is. And most of the parents, and they don't get that they're doing this, they become the sleep dependency. So the issue with parents going in and sleeping with their kids in the room is they have become a sleep dependency because this is what happens. All parents will say, if, I, if they wake up and they don't find me, the, the kid will wake up and like go out of the room and try to find the parent and, and so on. And, and other parents would say, they won't sleep except if I'm right next to them. Mm-hmm. So this is something I encourage, highly encourage that we deal with it early on when they're younger. Because if they get older and the sleep dependency is apparent, then we have a problem because you're just making this harder to, to remove. So what we recommend is we find something else to replace the person as a start. So if right now the dependency is the person, 
that means that the child will wake up, look, find his mom, find his dad. I need to find an item or something to replace it. Some examples of this would be the night noise, like the, sorry, not the night noise. White noise? White noise, exactly. White noise is a very good example of a sleep dependency that could be used. A teddy bear, favorite mm -hmm. teddy bear, is a very good one. A blanket, sometimes the bottle, the milk bottle, like if there's a bottle, they're still having milk at night, it would be there. Um, it could be um, a favorite, um, preferably like soft toys are, are good, but um, the pacifier is one. Mm -hmm. I don't like that one, but sometimes uh, people would use that. But it has to be anything other than something, first of all, that's easy to, to take everywhere. So easy for portable. So if you're traveling somewhere, you can take it. Mm -hmm. uh, if he's sleeping over at grandma, he can take it. So mm -hmm. it's easy to take um, to places. And it's not a person. That's the most important thing when you're deciding on, on the sleep dependency. Other things are actually... Uh, the, the fan, if you have a fan in the room, the AC sound is a sleep dependency. These are things that we actually, if you look at yourself, there's something when yeah. you go to bed that you need, or there's a specific thing that you have to be maybe watching right before you go to bed. That's your sleep dependency. Yes. So something to think about. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I definitely can't fall asleep. Just getting, just moving from another room to my bed right away. I have to get into my bed and watch something and then I'll sleep no matter what it is. But I have to have that, even if it's just 10 minutes that I open my computer, I watch something and then I can sleep. Yeah. So that's a very common now, I think with, TV, with phones and TVs and all that's very common sleep. I think I'm the same. You have to watch something right before you go to bed and that's helps you sleep. So Exactly the same thing with kids. But the thing with kids is, again, the people are very common sleep dependencies for them because they get used to having that person with them. And when you try to remove that person, you're basically asking them to sleep without the sleep dependency. So that's going to be impossible to do. But do you find that it's met with a lot of resistance? How? What if the child is absolutely refusing for the parent to leave the room? Like How, how do you do that transition, even though I know it, it must be gradual? But that transition from replacing the person with another item, how is that done in a way where the, the child doesn't have a complete meltdown from the first yes. night where you start to easily fade, slowly fade that out? Yes. So I'll tell you some of the common interventions we use with sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, the two most common ones, and of course, sometimes we do alterations and everything depending on the kid and everything and the situation and but the two most common ones, so depending on the child's age, Yanni, um, the little kids, we do something called parent fading. So parent fading is basically where we fade out the parent from the room, but we fade them very slowly. So we don't end up in these complete meltdowns because the kid is not going to sleep, sleep if he's crying. And, um, like it's, and again, a lot of parents will not want to do something like that. So you do like slowly start move the parent away from the child and the bed. But to do that, you have to make sure you've got your replacement dependency. Mm -hmm. So there has to be, because sometimes the kids, when they want to sleep, they want to hold their parents close to them or they want them close to them. So you want to make sure you start moving that parent away and giving that dependency instead. And slowly you fade that parent out of the room completely. And that takes can take a while. It can take a few days, depends on the child. That's the common, a very common intervention. The other one is called bedtime pass. And this one is, is good for the older kids who are actually well aware and they 
kind of understand uh, and get that like consequence kind of thing. So mm -hmm. what you would do is you give them a couple of passes. And this again depends. Usually we'd say two passes. So they have two passes with them. It's like two cards they have. Mm -hmm. And these cards allows them to leave the room two times. Okay. During like whenever they want to. Okay. And they get up. They can leave the room two times and ask for anything they want. Because usually what happens with the older kids, it's more of they get up and they would go out like, oh, I, I need to drink. Mm -hmm. I want to eat. Can you come read me? Can you give me a hug? Can you? It's like this. So you give them that option, but you don't give them more than two passes mm -hmm. to, to do that. And you would reinforce them for not using them as well over time. So if they start like, and they're using them every day, you can be like, okay, you know what? If you don't use both, maybe use one only tomorrow, I will... I'll have a surprise for you or you do something nice for them. So okay. you could even move it to one and then at the end you would move it to none and the kid would go in and sleep and, and that's it. Okay. So these are two common interventions, but again, these come with a lot of changes to the environment, changes to uh, the routine. There's, there's like, it's like a package. You don't just do one thing and leave the others because you won't get that success, but it's an intervention that you can do for uh, a child depending on his like current issue or situation. And this kind of this question kind of relates to what you're talking about before about what issues contribute to sleep problems. It's more of a sensory question. So can you tell us a little bit more Minna, about this that yani how each child's sensory profile can affect can contribute to sleep problems and whether something like because a lot of uh, parents sometimes feel like maybe it's the mattress or what they're sleeping on that causes the issue this is part of the the changes and the and the and the, the the alteration but if a kid is able to sleep on that bed in general but the problem is just they're non-compliant they're sleeping late they're not listening and so on then i wouldn't put it on a sensory thing so i wouldn't say it's like a sensory issue but i would say when you're putting in a plan for sleep you want to look out for everything like if they wake up at night is there a specific reason they're waking up is it because they end up sleeping with this very heavy um, blanket and it's they get very hot so you would want to change that with something else uh, do you feel like they're uncomfortable so you might need to try a couple of things before you um like say it's only a behavior thing right you might look at the the, the things how the pajamas they're wearing like you want to you have to analyze the, the whole Everything. Uh, dynamic of sleep, right? Because there, there are so many things involved, little pieces, and you just make sure that you're covering everything and you're not missing anything that might be affecting the sleep. Is there ever a situation where things can get so severe at home where a professional has to actually go and train the parents in the house? for? Oh, yes, yes, of course. We've done that also, again, a lot. There's a lot of times where we actually have to be there during bedtime for a couple of times before the parents can actually start implementing the whatever procedure we have. So yes, definitely. Is there anything else you want to add, Yemena, to this talk? Uh, no, I think I think this covered a lot of the the things that we generally see. And of course, I'm sure there's more things that are going to come. Uh, there's a lot of research always ongoing about sleep and new methods that we learn and so on. So definitely this is at this point is is a good analysis of what's happening. But as we go on, I'm sure more things are going to come up and mm -hmm. I would love to share them <laughs> at that point. No, thank you, Amina. This was all extremely insightful. 
And thank, thank you for Andy. your time and your effort to share your knowledge with me and those who are tuning in. So I'm very happy that we tackled this topic. So thank you again so much. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to please subscribe to the podcast if you liked what you heard. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at at Different Story by N. As always, this podcast is your platform. It's your voice. Please reach out to me if you'd like to be involved or share your story. Have a wonderful day and stay tuned for next week's guest.